The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, take a break from your DOS attack on no likey and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 112 with guests Sean Walker and Jim Duffy, not in that particular order, recorded live Friday, May 6, 2005. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering hands-on VBNet and ASPNet classes remotely online at www.franklins.net. And by Telerik RAD Controls, the most comprehensive suite of components for ASPNet development online at www.telerik.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers, online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, a man who thought the .NET nuke was what happened when his laptop caught fire, Carl Franklin! Hey, welcome. It's another Monday, and you know what time that is. It's time for .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers. I'm Carl Franklin, coming to you from New London, Connecticut. And Richard Campbell is out there in Vancouver, British Columbia. What would .NET Rocks be without you, Richard? How are you? Well, it'd be a little more uh, East Coasty, I imagine. Probably a little bit. A little bit. Things are good out here. Been having a good time. Actually, I was at Victoria last night, the Victoria.net users group, doing a talk on uh, querying methodology. We had lots of fun, and then I went and visited my dad, and now I'm back home and I'm tired. Wow. That's good. Well, it's good to be tired. I've been a little bit tired myself this week because I've been pulling third shift trying to uh, get some code done on this pop catcher thing that I've been working on. It's coming along really well. Uh, got an asynchronous HTTP downloader happening, and uh, uh, I also spoke at the Boston VB.net user group uh, Thursday night, and that was kind of fun. Went up to Boston, talked to them, showed them a little, bi- uh, little bit of the code behind Popcatcher. They were really into it. Well, those, those forms are unbelievable. I mean, they're so beautiful. Yeah, they really are. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about that when it becomes available. Hey, you know, uh, you're a Star Trek fan, right? Yeah, sure. Did you know that uh, Klingons teach programming? I've heard rumor. Yeah. There's actually a very large uh, Klingon programmer population in the United States. But uh, there's a top ten list associated with this, the top ten things likely to be overheard if you had a Klingon programmer. Number ten, specifications are for the weak and timid. <laughs> Number nine, this machine is a piece of gah. I need dual Pentium processors if I'm to do battle with this code. 
<laughs> Number eight. You cannot really appreciate Dilbert unless you've read it in the original Klingon. <laughs> Number seven. What is this talk of release? Klingons do not make software releases. Our software escapes, leaving a bloody trail of designers and quality assurance people in its wake. <laughs> Number six. Klingon function calls do not have parameters. They have arguments, and they always win them. <laughs> Number five, debugging. Klingons do not debug. Our software does not coddle the weak. <laughs> Number four, a true Klingon warrior does not comment his code. Number three, by filling this PTR, you have challenged the honor of my family. Prepare to die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's great. Number two, you question the worthiness of my code? I should kill you where you stand. <laughs> and number one, I should disembowel you right here. <laughs> and number one, our users will know fear and cower before our software. Ship it. Ship it and let them flee like the dogs they are. <laughs> I didn't realize I've worked with so many Klingons. <laughs> oh, man. And before we get going, uh, I also want to point out a site that uh, somebody in the chat room sent to me. It's at shrinkster.com slash 547. Shrinkster.com slash 547. And this is an actual product that would even make Kate Gregory go WTF. <laughs> this is C++ server pages. The power of C++ brought to the web. C++ Server Pages is the most powerful web engine ever. Enabling C++... <laughs> Wait a minute. Is this part of the Klingon top 10 list? You, 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 you got to think it's a gag, and then you realize it's not. These guys really built this thing. I know. I was thinking this is part of this, the Klingon top 10 list, actually. <laughs> Enabling C++ programmers to build superior web applications... Fast and easy. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, it might be a great product, and they at least deserve a look, if not for uh, comedic effect. C++ web development. Yeah. You know, Kate Gregory uses VBNet to write applications, and she's a hardcore C++ programmer. I wonder what she would say about that. Actually, I know exactly what she would say. I think I said it, too. Yes, you did. Well, uh, Brian Nance sent us an email about last week's show. Great show, Carl. I was hoping you'd give my website a little plug. We have more code coming online and more Indigo code than anyone else. It is all written in C Sharp and VBNet Express with a free Indigo CTP so everyone can benefit. I'm about ready to post Chapter 1, so I was a little disappointed, but I'm still a dedicated listener. And his website is thatindigobook.com www.thatindigobook.com. And Brian, I'm sorry, but I didn't even know your website existed. So um, you did the right thing in sending me an email. Uh, there you go. Well, Richard, uh, I guess we're ready to bring on the guests. A couple of my favorite people. Yeah. Jim Duffy is a Microsoft MVP, .NET Nuke Core Team Evangelist, Ineta Speaker, and the president of TakeNote Technologies. TakeNote, a developer's choice award winner for hands-on training, specializes in training and creating business solutions with Microsoft Enterprise Technologies. Jim's background also includes a Bachelor of Science degree in Computer and Information Systems and over 20 years of programming and training experience. 
He's also co-host of Computers 2K5, a weekly call-in radio show in Raleigh, North Carolina. Jim's passion for teaching and presenting, coupled with his desire to help people meet their professional and personal goals, ensures that the training classes he leads are educational and entertaining. Wow, that almost sounds like I know what I'm talking about. It almost sounds like a self-aggrandizing uh, infomercial. But, <laughs> but that's another story. And if you send your credit card in for 1995, you get a set of Ginsu steak knives with that. Nice, nice, nice. Sean Walker is president and founder of Perpetual Motion Interactive Systems Incorporated, a solutions company specializing in Microsoft Enterprise technologies. Sean has 15 years professional experience in architecting and implementing large-scale IT solutions for private and public organizations. Sean is responsible for the creation and management of .NET Nuke an open-source content management system written for the Microsoft ASP.NET platform. Based on his significant community contributions, he was recently recognized as a Microsoft MVP, Most Valuable Professional, in 2004. In addition, he was recently added as a featured speaker to the MSDN Canada Speakers Bureau, which allows him to evangelize .NET Nuke to user groups across Canada. Sean resides in British Columbia, Canada with his wife and two children. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on the show again. You bet. So you're in British Columbia. Why don't, why don't you just go over to Richard's house, man? <laughs> Actually, Rich, Richard and I have a bit of a past. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah we do. We, uh, we we have worked together. How I can't remember which year that was. Was that like 1996? Oh, maybe a little bit more recent, 98. 98? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Eclipse Software was a software development company downtown uh, Vancouver, uh, started by a gentleman by the name of Kent Allstad, interesting character and a good friend of mine, and Sean's for that matter. And uh, we, Sean worked there, and uh, I spent some time there as well as a director. Now, how far do you live in Vancouver, Sean? Uh, no, I live in Abbotsford now, and that's about uh, an hour east of Vancouver. Oh, okay. That's and cool. I'm sort of halfway in between the two, between Vancouver and Abbotsford and Coquitlam. I don't live in Canada. Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) How's Raleigh this time of year, man? Raleigh is wet today. Uh, We've had lousy weather, but um, we're looking at 80s over the weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. That's cool. That's nice down there. I actually really like the weather in North Carolina overall, except for those nasty hurricanes. Yeah, that's true, when when they do come. But uh, Charlotte in the springtime is just beautiful. Charleston. Charleston in the springtime. That's I was, what I meant. Actually, I was in Charlotte uh, last weekend, weekend before, doing the uh, the code camp. How'd that I, go? I did, I did a .NET Nuke uh, session on at Code Camp. Uh, well received. They're uh, they're all a bunch of .NET Nuke freaks in Charlotte. Awesome. So we had you guys on. Geez, I don't know, probably four or five months ago. Would you say? And it was in August. Okay. So wow. Yeah. Wow. More than that. And uh, last time we talked, you guys were on .NET Nuke 2.0, right? Yep, yep. And now since then, 3.0 has come out, right? Yep. But uh, this is still an ASP.NET 1.1 technology, right? That's right, yeah. We're still focused on the 1.1 platform for now. Okay, good. That's what's out. And when did did 3.0 come out? Uh, came out in early March in production release form. We've had we had probably eleven beta releases since um, since January first. Okay. So, well, proving the stability. Just so that people don't have to go back and listen to that show to get the general idea, why don't you give us a uh, basic rundown of what 
.NET Nuke is? Uh, .NET Nuke is basically a, an open source content management system. So it allows individuals or organizations to build uh, websites or build vertical market uh, applications. So it can be used as a software framework for building other applications, or it can be used as a standalone application to manage your own your own website. Okay. And uh, as we said in the last show you were on, there's quite a few uh, installations uh, at, at places that we've probably visited that use .NET Nuke just as their basic website, right? Absolutely, yeah. The growth has been pretty incredible. We've got, um, well, we just passed 150,000 registered users on the site. Wow. wow. Everybody that um, wants to get access to the code is required to register so that we can stay in touch with them. And so, yeah, we just passed 150,000. And it's a modular system, right? So you, you pick the, the, the modules that you want. Uh, do you call them modules or what do you call them? Yeah, we call them modules. Yeah. So there's quite an active third-party developer community that's grown up around .NET Nuke. Uh, there's probably hundreds of third-party modules that plug into the .NET Nuke framework at this point. Some of them are free and some of them are commercial. Mm-hmm. How many websites are we talking about here, Sean? How many websites are running .NET Nuke? Yeah, that you know of. What's it, like seven or eight now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, honestly, I don't know how many websites. Um, we were doing some Googling on it. If you search for certain key, key uh, URL um, pieces, you can search for you know, how many pages are indexed, which are related to .NET Nuke. And, mm. I mean, it's, it's incredible, probably you know, 100,000 pages. It's, and, and that's actually based on... .NET Nuke 2 didn't have that great of um, search engine support for indexing. Right. 3.0 does. So, I mean, that number is just going to increase hugely. Well, if you said you had 150,000 registered downloaders of source, you know, that's 150,000 people who are messing around with it and probably a good, well, I don't know about a good chunk, but you could say conservatively half of those would actually get up and running, don't you think? Yeah, in in the early stages of the project, we actually were tracking the number of people who were actually putting live sites up um, using the framework, and it was a pretty high ratio. A lot of people, I mean, you'd think that some people download it just to take a look at it and then just remove it from their hard drive, but a significant amount of people are quite serious when they download that they're going to put up a, a public website, so... Yeah, there's a pretty high conversion number. Okay. I think there's one number that you can't track ever, and that's the number of internal intranets that are using this. Oh, sure. The the, the .NET new training classes I'm doing, I'd say more than half the people that I'm teaching are going to be using it internally Right. sites that will never even see the Internet. And the registration is just required if you want the source, right? Not if... uh, Right. So can you run it without the source? Uh, No, we only distribute it in one format right now. All right. So um, real, real quickly, why don't you give us like the top 10 coolest modules? And uh, the modules, I should add, are just like flipping bits, right? I mean, you, you work in SQL Server, and uh, you just say, I want this module and this module and that module. And what are some of the, the most popular modules in, let's say, 2.0? And then to give us a, an overview of what's new in 3.0. Okay, so in terms of module architecture, uh, .NET Nuke actually has a very well-defined um, distribution mechanism for modules. Basically, you build your module in ASP.NET, 
you package up the necessary files into one zip file. And that's what you can pass around to different individuals, and they can take that one zip file and install it into their .NET Nuke application, and it unpacks the files and does all the registration that's necessary, and the module just becomes available through your user interface so that you can use it in your portal. Okay. Um, in terms of good modules, um, it, there's modules that have been written for almost every category that you can think of. Um, so if you just focus on sort of the the larger categories that people sort of require as essential components of their websites. We've got um, forums, got blogs, we've got picture galleries, mm -hmm. got stores, um, mm -hmm. guest books. Um, any number of um, components have been written for both the 2.0 and 3.0 platform. There's some, uh, there are even some e-commerce sites, aren't there, Sean? Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's, mm -hmm. I think... There's four different storefront um, commercial modules that exist, and I think there's a couple free stores as well. Yeah, the uh, the, the number of, of modules out there is extremely attractive. So when you start to look at using .NET Nuke as a, as a platform, either as an intranet or intranet site, there's just file management software, file management modules, blogs. There's a, a ton of stuff out there, which makes I've had people tell me, well, you know, I've looked at .NET Nuke, and those modules that come with it are all that strong. I said, yeah, I know. They're pretty basic, aren't they? Go looking around the third party, and you'll find a whole lot more that will, uh, which are going to suit your needs. Yeah. What is this, like 80 modules available for version 3? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the, uh, we um, released version 3 in its first beta in, on January 1st. And we had a program called 30 for 3.0, which was uh, managed by one of our core team members, Scott Wilhite. It was actually his idea. And so that encouraged um, developers to get you know, early access to the uh, 3.0 release because we knew they were breaking changes and encouraged them to upgrade their modules so that they would be ready for 3.0 when it came out. Wow. And obviously you made the 30 and then some. Yeah, yeah, obviously it's gone quite beyond that now. I mean, the, the thing with modules right now is there is um, a huge range in terms of price and quality of the modules that are available. So you do have to do your research to find the ones that you think are, are you know, best suit your needs. The good part is that a lot of them do come with source code. So, you know, if they don't exactly do what you want, then you can still modify them to, to make them adapt. Now, here's a – we actually thought about using .NET Nuke for the .NET Rock site. And I had a, uh, a, a guy who was doing the graphics who wasn't familiar with .NET Nuke look at trying to make the graphics work in a skin. And uh, I guess he gave up after a while. He, could, he couldn't figure it out. Is that a typical experience, or, or did he, was he just missing something? Well, the, the idea behind the skinning architecture in .NET Nuke was that we focused on, um, we focused on designers, and we focused that on the fact that designers not going to be fluent in ASP.NET. So we didn't want the architecture to require a designer to use Visual Studio.NET to design a skin. Okay. Um, so we've kind of gone the opposite direction of what master pages do. Um, but in, that ca but in, in the case of our skinning architecture, then people can use whatever editor they want to build a template. And then there is fairly good documentation out there in terms of how you um, include markup in your template so that it then integrates with 
the uh, .NET Nuke framework. Um, it's actually not a very challenging um, process. There, and there's many, many skin developers for .NET Nuke that are selling their skins or building their skins for clients. Because, I mean, obviously the first thing that people want to do when they install .NET Nuke is put a custom skin on it, make it look unique for their specific site. Um, that, I think that's actually been one of the most okay. um, essential pieces of .NET Nuke is the skinning architecture. Do What percentage of control do you have over every pixel? In other words, could you, are you, do you have to use your buttons, your rectangles, your... Every or or can, is it a hundred percent look skinnable? A hundred percent skinnable. Really? So everything is broken down to the most granular level. So we have our own controls for certain components within the framework, like a login button. You have to use our login button, but you can actually make the login button look however you want, and you okay. can put it anywhere you want in okay. your page template. Okay. And and same with the the content area. Usually a Portal sites have a pretty standard look where you have three columns. Uh, .NET Nuke doesn't require that at all. You can create as many number of columns in, in any type of configuration that you want. And when you're creating a skin, do you have like a designer program or do you just, um, do you just edit config files or a database or how do you do that? You create your skin as standard HTML with graphics and you include certain tokens where like, for example, login button or a menu or hmm. privacy statement, any of those types of links which are actually linked into the portal framework. You just use tokens. Wow. And then when you upload your, your skin, well, your skin, again, is packaged all together as one zip file. So all the graphics, your style sheet, your HTML file, and uh, any other resources that you have packaged together into one zip file. You upload it to the server. It unpacks everything, and it actually converts your HTML template into a user control. And that user control becomes your skin. Wow, that's awesome, man. It's very clever, actually. So, one, of the, uh, one of the the head starts you can give yourself in that, in that whole arena is if you go out looking for just straight HTML templates, you do a search on HTML templates, they're everywhere. There's a million of them out there, either for free or, or commercially available. Converting some of those templates over to a .NET Nuke skin is a matter of putting those specific tokens where you want them in the in that HTML page, hmm. and you now have an HTML skin that looks like this really cool template you just bought. It really is not that tough and very easy to implement a completely unique look for your site without a ton of work. I've actually done that quite a bit myself. I go to Template Monster, yep, huh. find a template I like, and usually the like Template Monster templates are for sale for you know usually a fairly low amount. Huh. Take the template add my tokens to it, upload it, and I've got a whole new look for my site. Wow, well, it sounds like uh, he gave up too easily. Maybe we should take another look at that. That's fantastic. The, now, of course, it works with style sheets too, right? So you could do everything as a, as a style sheet and just flip a switch with a new style sheet, and you've got a new template, right? Yeah. We, I mean, we do get some questions about um, CSS in general, mm-hmm. and that um, seems to be a, a very big demand these days for CSS design and reducing the number of tables that you use in your right. template. Right. And that's all possible using .NET Nuke. The problem is that the ASP.NET web controls seem to spit out with a lot of tables. So you end up not with a fully optimized CSS site. So what are some of the new features in 3.0 that we didn't get in 
We didn't um, have... 3.0 took quite a while to come together. Probably it was an eight, about an eight-month development cycle, and there was a lot of new enhancements um, that were included. Um, one of them was membership and role management was completely replaced with a new component. And in fact, Microsoft provided us with a backported version of the membership provider from Widby, which huh. we could use in ASP.NET 1.1. So um, they did this because they have a Microsoft shared Windows Accelerator program, which is just launching this month, and they wanted um, .NET Nuke to participate in that program. And mm. then so one of their requirements was that they wanted to showcase their new membership provider. So um, we were lucky enough to use that component um, in ASP.NET 1.1, so we're well on our way for easy migration to Widby. In that in that um, area, uh, other features that were added in 3.0 were uh, localization. Oh wow! So and that's localization from a administrator perspective. So every piece of text, every label in the application has all been localized, and the architecture that we used was based on the architecture being used in Widby as well. So although we couldn't. They didn't backport um, any of the actual components being used in WIDB. We actually followed the same organization, same folder structure, same file structure, and same basic underlying engine that's being used in WIDB. We had pretty good access to the localization developers at Microsoft when we developed that. So that's a big feature. Fantastic. There's probably 20 different language packs that have been submitted. Now, what does that mean? So a language pack is, again, just another zip file, but it's a zip file that contains all of the ResX files for the entire application. Hmm. So we have 20 different languages supported already. Wow. And that's since three. So since the beginning of the year. Yeah. Most of that's all happened, actually, since March. Yeah, since wow. the actual ship, the production version said went live. Wow. A couple, so, a couple other features that are probably the, the, the big gun, at least I think the big gun version three, is the search capability. Where in version two, skins, it was all about skins in version two. Man, you can skin the whole site. Look at this. I see searching being the, that big gun in version three, because now you can search across the entire portal. Each module can have its own search keywords, and you can search across the portal and find anything you want across a .NET Nuke site, which is, which is very cool. And, and that's, when you think about the fact that the modules come from different vendors, that's a heck of an accomplishment, really. Yep. Wow. Yeah, indeed. Stick, stick with the architecture, and you'll be fine. Another one on the um, the idea that Sean was mentioning with the the, the Windows starter, the, the web starter, and all that stuff, is you can now with .NET Nuke when you do an install, there's a templated install you're allowed to do, where if you go look at the the template file itself, you can decide what modules you want to have installed when you actually do the actual launching of the portal for the first time. Hmm. So you can go, okay, well I've got this client over here who I know is going to need these five modules and these three custom modules. I'll have my template file set up, and I'll build his portal with that template, and boom, up it goes with all the right pieces and parts. So that user never sees whatever modules you don't want them to have. They never see them because they never get installed. Now that that uh, brings up another issue. Um, I know that when we looked at 2.0, we haven't looked at 3.0 yet, obviously, but uh, when we looked at 2.0, it seemed like just to download it and get it up and running, there was like you had to read a README file and go through a bunch of manual steps and you know, put this uh, item in this field in this table and open up Enterprise Manager and start, you know, just typing in data and stuff. 
Is there any kind of easier way to get up and running, like with an admin site or something like that, before you actually run it for the first time? The um, the, the steps to install are, are really pretty straightforward. Once you download that zip file and extract it to a directory, mm-hmm. you you go into the web config and put your connection string in. Mm-hmm. You, you build a SQL Server database, and that's it. I mean, you don't you don't do right. anything. You just you don't build do anything it. to it. And you set up I you set up IAS to point at that virtual. You build a virtual directory to point to where your .NET Nuke source is. Mm-hmm. Launch the site, and it should launch and come up. I mean, yeah. there's, when you're going when you to add tables the site and for the first data, time, it actually runs all of the provisioning SQL scripts for you. Okay, and this was a feature of two O. Yep. Yeah, we're actually a feature of one O. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. I have to talk to my staff here. Maybe some of this uh, <laughs> slacking off needs to you know, get you know, whacked. Carl, should you need some help, I, I'd, be, I'd be more than happy to, to, to take a phone call from you. Okay. <laughs> well, I, go, I, I went and dropped in on uh, Jim's site, takenote.com, and I'm wondering how you built your site there, Jim. Uh, what kind of tools did you use? That is an oldie but goodie, that site right there. You know the old story, the, the, the cobbler's kids' shoes, how they're always beat up, but the, uh, everyone in town has nice shoes? <laughs> My my site is actually running a still version one point one point one zero e I think wow something like that it's like wow. yeah you know I should, I should get around to start building it with a version three <laughs> I've actually got a version three version of the takenote.com site about seventy five to eighty percent done and I keep hoping over like the next week or two to get the stupid thing up and launched but yeah the takenote.com site is, in, is all .dot net nuke that's actually version one going back a ways. Wow, yeah, I was just thinking that's the old incarnation of .NET Nuke there. Yes, it is. You're, you're like a little uh, museum here. <laughs> uh, no, I'm much. not much better. I have my perpetualmotion.ca site, which is still running 1.0 as well. Is it? Uh, <laughs> both wow. you guys. <laughs> nearly as bad now, Sean. I'm investing all of my time into the development of the newer releases. I never have time to manage my own site. I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. In the uh, in the chat room, some people are throwing out great resources for skinning and things. Uh, some gal named Nina at www.xd.com.au. She's wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Uh, tf.johndcooper.com. Yeah. Who is Tyler Fawcett? He we had a skinning contest last summer, and Tyler Fawcett won the best overall skin. Wow. Um, those guys do some good work as well. Skin3.com and www.t-worx.com, t-works.com. Yep. A couple of good yeah, resources. Actually, in 3.0, we, um, we included, I think, eight to ten different skins in the base product. Mm-hmm. So, and these came from community members who had built skins and decided to contribute them so that um, at least there was a few options that people could use right out of the box. Okay. So why should anyone upgrade from an earlier version to 3.0? Uh, the main reasons are uh, search, like Jim said. Search okay. is quite important. There was no search capability in version 2. And I think most websites actually usually have a search capability built in. Right. One of the things with the search is that we didn't want to rely on third-party um, components or third-party um, applications like Microsoft Indexing Server. Or also, we didn't want to rely on SQL Server um, search capabilities either because .NET Nuke supports multiple databases. Huh. So we basically had to build a search architecture in the application itself. It's actually quite a 
quite a piece of architecture in itself. And some of the inspiration came from some really interesting work that was done on the PHP platform. Hmm. Borrowing good ideas. Yeah. You betcha. I mean, I, I definitely jumped on this whole thing of, wow, how do third-party modules participate in a search properly? And you've got a framework there that gives them some way to do it themselves. I mean, we did, it's a real simple interface. And that was one of the big advantages in 3 is that in version 2 and version 1 of .NET Nuke, the framework itself could, could or modules could call into the framework for specific services, but there was no way that the framework could call into the modules. So in version 3, we've added a number of different interfaces so that if modules implement those interfaces, we can call into the module. So hmm. this is how we've accomplished search and a number of other key um, components in 3. I guess one of the other big benefits in 3 is friendly URLs. So in version 2 and version 1, and many ASP.NET sites... You get these uh, GUID-like URLs. Yeah, this is where you've got you know, like a real, a normal-looking URL with a lot of query string parameters. Because search engines tend to hack the query string parameters off when they index, yeah. which really provides limited um, indexing capabilities. Mm -hmm. So in version 3, we've got a friendly URL solution where your entire site can basically get indexed using, um, using regular URLs. So hmm. all page-based. Nothing fancy, something that Google will actually digest. Yep. That's right. Hmm. Good, and they're and they're friendly. Yeah, right. no meanies. And there was a lot of effort put into usability and help as well. So we actually have field level help on all of the core um, inter user interfaces. Hmm. We've laid out the user interfaces in a more logical fashion, so options which seem to be related are grouped together and. Um, they also have a min-max type capability where you can expand them or contract them depending on whether you want to see them or not. Yeah, a lot of this stuff was interface. done to make it more user-friendly for the people who are using the application for just building a website. They just want a simple website builder, right. and they're not developers. Right. So focus on that stakeholder. Is that really a key mission of .NET Nuke is for totally non-technical people to be able to construct a, a well-structured website? Absolutely. Isn't there some point where you're going to need some technical people to get the thing up and running and hooked up and so forth? Um, well, the goal is, I mean, realistically, that should only happen during provisioning. Um, Being the, the initial setup phase. Yeah, and we've done that. We've tried to minimize any complications there as well. But um, to really get buy-in, you've it's got to be as simple as possible for users to be able to understand the uh, the user interface and interact with it. They shouldn't need they shouldn't need assistance. Yeah. Right. Once it once it's set up, I mean, the idea is to keep it simple so that anybody can log on and maintain their own content. Right. That's one of the things I found the most attractive, and 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 most of the sure the customers who I end up teaching find most attractive is the IT department. Usually, the IT department sends people to the training class. They get knowledge and they get the instruction on how to set the portal up and how to use it and then they go back and tell the users oh here's how you add content and the users go huh exactly. yeah <laughs> but but then they're done the it department can kind of say okay here's your intranet site here's how you add content here are the modules you maintain your own stuff yeah. and i've gotten emails back from a number of people who say man this stuff is great we we were building sites internally for our own customers internal customers right. that were taking you know 
really draining our resources. Yeah. Now we can focus on the more important business applications that need to get done in, in, in the business and leave some of these other smaller websites, these intranet sites, to .NET Nuke and let them handle it. And they've, they've been doing very well with it. And it seems to me that you really created an environment now where they operators only focus on providing content. They're not worried about structure and form and and uh, laying things out nice and so forth. It's just put the words in, decorate it a little, done. Exactly. Mm. And it's easy to use. I have some fresh news for you. Telerik has announced the Q2 release of their RAD control suite. The product represents a comprehensive collection of 11 best-of-breed ASP.NET components, which allow professionals to build web solutions with the UI richness and responsiveness of desktop applications. Version Q2 2005 includes two new products, an innovative data grid control called RAD Grid and a combo drop-down component called RAD Combo Box. The RAD Grid control, which is currently featured on www.asp.net, is extremely fast and generates very little output. It offers true cross-browser support, rich client-side functionality, and a number of unique features. RAD Combo Box will pleasantly surprise you with asynchronous callbacks, autocomplete, sorting, validation, overlaying, skinning, and so on. RAD Controls Q2 2005 also includes the long-awaited version 5.0 of the leading WYSIWYG editor for ASP.NET, RAD Editor. Also new are RAD Tab Strip 2.0, RAD Menu 3.1, and RAD Designer 1.6. Make sure you download this fresh release and check the new integration examples. For more information, go to www.telerik.com. That's T-E-L-E-R-I-K dot com. So, um, what about the open sourceness of the the code? If if somebody wants to get involved in it, how you know, in writing, you know, developing and working on it, how would they go about that? An interesting question. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, you have to take out twenty bucks and say, "Hey, Sean, can I be on the court? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'd be rich, wouldn't I? <laughs> That's obviously not working for me. Um, <laughs> Can I stay on the core team? I got ten dollars. <laughs> now the um, open source. There's a couple different angles to open source, which 
general community doesn't understand. Um, the, the theory is that anybody can get involved in an open source project and make an immediate and physical difference to the project. Good or bad. Um, yeah, yeah, but that's not really the way open source projects work. Because even though they're open source, there's still intellectual property concerns which need to be addressed. There's still issues of management to make sure people are you know, only having access to specific areas where you feel that they're going to be confident and not make a mess of things. So it's, um, it's a lot more complicated than it seems on the outside. Um, for .NET Nuke, we have a core team. The core team was about 20 individuals up until last summer, and then it doubled to about 40. And people were invited into the core team based on their community contributions. And most of that was through the forums on the www.asp.net site. So over time, through sort of building sort of a, a public um, image for themselves in terms of you know, what they're capable of, people were invited onto the core team. Once they were invited on the core team, they had to sign a contributor license agreement, which basically indemnifies the project and basically any intellectual property that they contribute to the project can never be disputed in the future. Right, right. Mm. I mean, that's the basic tenets of open source. Right. Well, and I mean, and that's where some other, you know, larger open source projects have not been so diligent, and that's really why there's the lawsuits going on between SCO and Linux. Right. There's no CLAs in place for Linux. What do you think of GPL, the GPL, GNU Public License? Well, when I went through the licensing exercise for .NET Nuke, I seriously considered the GPL because it seems to be the most popular open source license around. But once you look deeper at the GPL, you realize that some of its restrictions um, sort of are not good for commercial interests. So once you create an application and release it as a GPL, any derivative products also must be GPL'd. So that prevents people from taking your application, making some modifications to it, and sort of using it for a vertical market somewhere. Because that would mean that the application would need to be GPL'd. Right. Right. It, it makes GPL very self-perpetuating. Right. And that's good. If I mean, that, the whole idea behind that is to, you know, uh, keep, keep things in the public domain, keep the source open. I mean, it has some positives, but it also has some negatives. So I decided that um, the BSD license, which is more of an academic license, was a better choice for .NET Nuke because it actually was good in both commercial and non-commercial. Yeah. What really drove you to consider uh, open source in the first place, Sean? Good question. <laughs> and what, what were you thinking? Exactly. Yeah, what were you thinking, Matt? <laughs> what was I thinking? Well, <laughs> it's interesting because I'd spent probably the good part of a year enhancing the original iBuySpy portal for a specific application related to amateur sports. And... <laughs> At the end of that year, I realized, you know, I didn't have the funding, I didn't have the connections, I didn't have the marketing to take that anywhere, and I didn't really want to throw away all that effort. And I had become involved in the ASP.NET forums at that point. It seemed like there was a lot of, well, there was some sharing going on of ideas. There was a lot of people building applications off the iBuySpy portal, right. sort of, you know, sharing little bits of code here and there, but keeping the rest to themselves. And it seemed like a good idea to jump in, and, and also Microsoft had never committed to, um, you know, an F, like supporting that application through future versions or enhancements. 
So it seemed natural that there needed to be some organization managing that application and carrying it forward. Hey, so uh, I don't know. Can uh, can you ditch any of the copyright stuff, or does it have to say copyright.net nuke on it? In the code itself, it needs to, like, that's sort of the base, the only restriction of the BSD license is the source code files must retain their copyright notices. In comments. But in, in the application user interface, we actually have a setting where you can say um, display copyright notices, yes or no. So in a commercial setting, mm. people will set that to no, and it removes all of the copyright notices from the entire, app, like, user interface. You'd never and actually know from the um, <laughs> from the HTML source that's generated. So, yeah. Okay. That's much different than a lot of open source projects that yeah, require definitely. you to have. Yeah, it's really quite generous, is what it is. It's like the minimum minimum thing you would need. Right, because this is what a lot of open source projects do to generate revenue. Right. They require you to put their logo and their name on the application, and then you have to pay them to remove it. Hmm. But not here. So Dan from Entosoft says, uh, how do you feel about companies that take an open source project and then commercialize it, like the direction that the ASP.NET forums went with Community Server? Although uh, I thought Community Server was not Microsoft. I thought that was uh, Rob Howard's company who did that. Yeah, no, Community Server is not Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah, that was Telligent. Telligent. Yeah. How do I feel about that? Well, how do you feel about companies companies who will take .NET Nuke and then use that to uh, you know commercialize it to 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 make money for to to build websites for people for big bucks? Um, I, I personally don't have a problem with it. I I mean, I mean that's one of the ideas behind the project is that why should everybody be writing the same mundane code right. over and over again? Sure. So we're providing a basic framework that people can build on top of, and as long as they don't. Um, modify the internals too much, then they do have, still have a forward migration strategy in place where they can benefit from new releases of .NET Nuke. Um, if they modify the code too much, then they're stuck on their own version, and right. then, you know, then they're going to be doing their own custom development work from that point forward. Yeah. So, well, I, I also think from the beginning the plan has always been that .NET Nuke is a, a platform for you to use to build as many websites as you want and make as much money as you can sure. with this platform that we're providing open source. And if you want to change it, feel free to go nuts. But I, I, I advise people all the time, man, if you can go That's out there a, and you know, no-brainer. pay you big bucks to build a site, man, here, here's a free tool to use it. Right. Do it with. Sure. What's so, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's great. There's people out there doing it all the time. I think that where, where the question may have come from, yeah. um, it may have been more of a... What if someone takes .NET Nuke and rebrands it and sure. calls it uh, Duffy.Nuke? Yeah, yeah well, yeah, sure. Has that happened? Yeah, that's that happened that? before. Yeah, that's happened on a number of occasions. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, the, And the thing is, um, that was a very big concern in the early stages of the project when it was just starting to get its feet under it. Mm-hmm. you got to um, think about that. Man, that takes big cojones to do something like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it takes a lot of nerve. I mean, well, how how, e- how easy is it for you to spot that, hey, that's our code, you know? Easy. It's pretty easy to spot. Duffy.net, DuffyNuke.net was a fabulous product. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, the BSD license actually allows people to do that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if they take .NET Nuke and they um, 
call it something else, and they they commercialize it. That's one that's one idea that um, needs to be examined. But the other idea is they call it something else and release it as their own open source project. Right. So you know, and that's another aspect. Or one of the one of the things which has been more difficult to deal with lately is um, community members would like to see a C-sharp version of .NET Nuke. Yeah. And, I mean, there's, there is some reasons for that. I understand those reasons. But, and we're actually looking into ways that we can achieve that. The, the difficulty is that we don't have sufficient resources to, multi- to maintain multiple code bases right now. You know, with a room so, full of monkeys and reflector, you might be able to get something. <laughs> <laughs> Are you taking pokes at C sharp developers again, no, there, no, Carl? Of Is that what not. you're doing? No, I'm taking pokes at monkeys, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, man, you're doing. Mon- you're giving monkeys a bad name, there, Carl. <laughs> King Kong is going to come haunt you. Yeah. One of the only protection we have from a legal perspective is that my company, Perpetual Motion, has trademarked the name .NET Nuke, which means that nobody can actually use that name to promote a forked version of the application. They would have to call it something completely different, and that means that they would lose the community and the branding. So that's one of the only legal protections we have. So I was just apologizing to the people in the chat room are saying, hey, man, I'm a C-sharp programmer. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, get a sense of humor, huh? <laughs> uh, and speaking of uh, sense of humor, I don't... You guys know about my laptop thing, right? And this is why why I asked the question is because I wondered if you had a uh, a PayPal button where you people could donate. But before you answer that, reason I thought of that is because uh, on the last show somebody sent me an email saying that uh, you know Carl, we're sick of you complaining about your laptop on the air. You know, it crashed or it hung or uh, you know you you've got USB one point ports and. And, and, and you know your devices don't uh, aren't recognized properly, and they're too slow. Why don't you just suck it up and get a new laptop? And I thought about and and this person who sent me the email suggested that I put up a PayPal donation box, and I said, "Can I do that?" And Richard said, "Well, if this guy on the web can put up a donation box to to save a rabbit that he's going to eat if he doesn't get fifty thousand dollars." Then you could ask for money for a laptop, right? <laughs> What's the name of that site? SaveToby.com. SaveToby.com. And, and here's I can tell. I get, these guys have got to be like working on a master's degree in psychology. They're watching the world turn themselves into idiots over a bunny rabbit. Right. So I thought I'd, uh, you know, what the hell? I'll put up a, a, a begging button and ask for money for a new laptop. And I got about 200 bucks so far, man. <laughs> yeah. I got an that's old great. Dell. I could sell you for two hundred bucks. Well, uh, that that'd be fine, but uh, no thanks. Okay, just checking. Um, when when we uh, before we take it down, I'm going to announce all the people that uh, that donated and thank them on the air. And thanks to everybody who is donating. And this is real, man. I mean, I am getting a new laptop. If you want to help, help out, man. Just you know, press the button, put in a number, and press the button again. Again and again and again and again. So I wondered if you have a similar thing, uh, Sean, since you're like the the Uber .NET nuke guy, that uh, you could uh, ask for money. There is a component, I believe, on one of the reseller sites 
that is a PayPal button. I had a PayPal button in the early stages on the .NET Nuke.com site. Mm-hmm. It was, but it's it's a matter of going to the PayPal site, taking the the HTML that it generates for you, and sticking it into your page. I know it's really brain dead easy. But you know, I think what you're talking around here, Carl, is like Sean. How do you make a living? That's basically what I'm asking, man. Yeah. How do I make a living? How do you make a living? Get, seeing how you put all this effort into .NET Nuke, and it's it's open source. Right. I do custom consulting work based on .NET Nuke. Hmm. Um, so various vendors, I have contracts with various vendors to do custom consulting based on .NET Nuke. And Jim, you do sort of the same thing. You teach a .NET Nuke class, right? Yep. Do a lot of uh, .NET Nuke training and consulting. That's all. It's Visual Basic and ASP.NET training. I could do a plug. I could I could plug training all day long. <laughs> well, and in a way, working on the product is a great way to plug the fact that you're the right guy to call in to work on the product. Hey, you see, I'm all over that idea. Actually, I've, I have I have turned a number of training clients and opportunities into development work as well, where hmm. they they need help with developing custom modules, and I go out and uh, assist them doing to do that. So there's there's a number of people out there. It's it's funny how many people are using the portal to build these sites. But the flexibility in the framework where they can build their own custom modules, pull a bunch off the shelf, third party off the shelf, then find the three or four modules you need to build for your own, code them, they fit right into the framework, and you're off and running. And um, I'm teaching as many people as I can how to do that in either code camps, uh, .NET um, user group meetings. I've actually got a .NET um, user group meeting here in uh, the Research Triangle area next week, I believe it is, where I'm going to be talking uh, either about .NET Nuke or about web services. I think I think I've got another one in, later in May where I'm doing .NET Nuke for the Piedmont .NET user group. In the early stages of the project, it was more challenging to make a living doing .NET Nuke full time. But it seems lately there's been a massive influx of people looking at it, and I'm actually having a difficult time keeping up. So the demand is increasing probably exponentially lately. And the the, the number of third party modules is growing. The number of skins that are available is growing. There's really a, quite an ecosystem that's grown up around the product. Yep. It sure seems like it. And, and it seems like you really had a sense about that in the ASP forums way back in the beginning. Here's here's sort of the kernel of a bunch of interested people looking for something to rally around, and you gave them what they needed. All right, so here's the question you've been waiting for. And uh, I asked you this on the last show, too. You know, .NET 2.0, ASP.NET 2.0 is right around the corner, and it has some of the same enhancements just in terms of high-level things that you guys have. And I wonder, are you going to change your code architecturally to take advantage of those things? Are you going to have a, a, a new .NET 2.0 version that does that? Uh, are you going to go back and, you know, rewrite existing stuff to be more ASP.NET 2.0 friendly? What What's what's your plan for for supporting that? That's a, I probably have a better answer for you this time around than I did last time. Um, since Beta Two has been released, there's right. obviously a lot more interest in in uh, Widby and ASP.NET version two. Actually, in um, actually later this month, I'm going to be spending some time in Redmond, talking to some of the ASP.NET team to determine the specific areas where. .NET New can take advantage of some of the features of Widby. So, and we're actually going to be probably getting some mentoring and assistance from Microsoft in terms of how, what the best way would, is to implement some of those new features. 
Cool. And it'll be examined on a case-by-case basis. I mean, obviously, we have membership provider already built in. We have localization, which is based on the Whidbey model already. Right. Um, other areas will have to be looked at case-by-case. Case. Like, probably there's no benefit for us to go to master pages. Our skinning solution is already better. Right. There's a skinning solution in Whidbey for skinning web controls. We could probably take advantage of that fairly simply. Yeah, nice. So we probably, we're going to be looking at um, everything on a feature-by-feature basis. And the reason that Microsoft wants to help us is because we're participating in this web shared hosting accelerator program Mm -hmm. where Microsoft is trying to build interest in Windows hosting. And they're working with hosters all over the world to increase their market share on the Windows hosting side. Yeah. So as an app that's included in that program, they would eventually want these hosters to be running the ASP.NET 2 platform. Right. So it only makes sense that .NET Nuke is going to be on on ASP.NET 2 at some point. Well, said uh, said graphics guru for Franklin's Net, Dax Pandy, asks, if Microsoft or some other big company offered to buy .NET Nuke and make it a commercial product, would you sell it? I don't know if it's yours to sell, (laughs) is it? That can't can't happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's... That is wishes. Yeah, that doesn't make really any sense. It's not yours um, to sell, right? The whole success of the product is based on its open source nature. Right. Um, so there would be, there, it would make no sense. Yeah, yeah. You, your point being that doing that would ruin the product. They're getting nothing for their money. Right. right. But you'll take their money anyway. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you could legally. Why would, why would they ever make such a ridiculous offer when they already have a competing technology yeah um like obviously sharepoint is still doing quite well in the marketplace sharepoint is quite good in the enterprise um over time it's possible that dotnet new can become you know a challenger in that space but um you know right now microsoft sharepoint is still you know probably better in the enterprise um but we're working you know we're working at adding features which um you know pe- people are gonna have to take a, a hard look at dotnet nuke in the years to come. Yeah, I, it made less sense to buy the product and more sense to buy you. True. <laughs> and you too, Duff. So, so, yeah, well, I was, Take you both and plug you into Redmond, suck your brains dry. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Little Borgian pump out there. What's that? that? That would be the old Ross Perot. What's that sucking sound? Great sucking sound. <laughs> Uh, from the from the uh, chat room, will it work with web parts in ASP.NET 2.0? Um, that's a good question. Um, I've actually already been working with one of the um, developers at at Microsoft on that topic. Um, he already created a proof of concept of .NET using the web part framework. The goal is that you know .NET Nuke could leverage web parts and um, web part framework could leverage .NET Nuke custom modules. Awesome. That would be a great goal, That'd and I think it's cool. achievable. Obviously, there would be some differences in that um, the web parts would behave in a certain manner within .NET Nuke because it might not have all of the uh, extra underpinnings that Share or that you know perhaps SharePoint might provide. Um, so they might not, I guess, light up in a certain way when they're running inside of .NET Nuke, where and a .NET Nuke module might not light up the same way in in uh, SharePoint or the web part framework because certain Core services are not there, so there would still be some 
different behavior based on where you're running, but they would be able to run interoperably between the two. Well, uh, to go back to the question about whether .NET New can be sold, I'd like to point you to a, uh, a post at Between the Lines, which is at shrinkster.com slash 548. Can an open source project get acquired? One just did, and the first paragraph says, here's a wrinkle that many devotees of open source either don't know about or don't talk about. Open source projects can get acquired by commercial software companies. To demonstrate that point, one of the more popular open source projects on SourceForge.net was acquired last week. Yeah, I read that article yesterday, too. Um, and that's, I mean, obviously that is, that, that can happen. But it's, depending on the size of the project and the number of contributors, it becomes more difficult. The acquiring company ultimately needs sign-offs from every person involved in the project. So in that case of that particular open source project, there was one person running the whole thing. Got it. So he owned all the intellectual property. Right, yeah. so he could sign it over for a fee. It still wouldn't be a good idea from a Microsoft purchase perspective. Yeah. Well, the thing is, there's you know so many benefits going on right now right. in terms of .NET Nuke still runs on Windows platform. So there's still licensing revenue to be had for SQL Server, for Windows Server, any number of development tools. Plus, there's marketing exposure, getting you know uh, technology out there to a wider audience. Um, I mean, there's a lot of benefit just keeping it as an open source project. It just makes a lot more sense for Microsoft to stay friendly and to keep supporting and keep. Um, I totally agree. Offering. I totally I mean, agree. What they, what they could do is they could um, take the source code as it stands and call it something else and commercialize it. Yeah, they could. Well, there have been plenty of there's plenty of things you can point to that Microsoft has, uh, you know, acquired or supported that have started out as public things that have really gotten mucked up because they did that. And, you know, the like you say, you know, you have a, a force of people out there that are all contributing and it's working and the product is getting better and better. So, and everybody's using it and everybody's benefiting from it, so why wouldn't they just let it go? Yeah, we actually have a very good working relationship with Microsoft. Yeah, I be, I'm sure you do, yeah. So uh, let's see. Uh, shout out to Richard and Sean from Victoria, from Nolan at MCSL. Sean, how do you manage a global team of developers working on all aspects of the application, especially since they're working for free? Do you have any specific development processes that may be particular to the .NET Nuke project? And what do the other developers get out of working on .NET Nuke besides the satisfaction of a job well done? So I guess they get Nuke, man. That's what they get. <laughs> yeah. Sean's management style, an iron fist. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Thanks Jim. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because I got branded with this benevolent dictator title, which obviously came from the Linux world, but I never felt very comfortable with it. <laughs> and I finally I removed it from everywhere that I could find. <laughs> yeah, he was uncomfortable with the benevolent part. <laughs> he liked the dictator part. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, um, to answer Nolan's question, um, we, I mean, as a software, distributed software development project, we follow same principles that probably many team-oriented projects follow. We have, you know, a source code repository, which is accessible to all members of the team. 
got a defect tracking system, which is accessible to all members of the team. We have various communication methods, forums, um, email lists that are used as well to communicate. Yeah. Um, in terms of assigning specific deliverables to different people, um, typically when a fairly large-scale enhancement comes up, then it gets assigned to somebody, and they go off and they do the research in determining what the optimal way to solve the problem is. Sometimes this takes much longer than it would in a commercial setting because we don't have the budget or time constraints on us. So the end result typically is a much more optimal solution than would have occurred in a, in a setting where you have these constraints which you have to make workarounds. Yeah, you don't have to have a deliverable date per se. I mean, other than just keeping the basic product alive, it's better, you're better off shipping later. It's not like any, you're going to miss the Christmas rush. Right. right. <laughs> well, I had I had a number of people always asking me, when's 3.0 going to ship? When's 3.0 going to ship? When's 3.0 going to ship? Because they were waiting on it to do to do projects, and they were using the betas, but they didn't want to ship with the, with the beta, and they were waiting and waiting and waiting. So there was a clamor over, when's it going to ship? Yeah, and that's, um, I mean, I guess the open source term is, you know, it'll ship when it's ready. Yeah. Not so different than what Microsoft does, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, no, Microsoft produces dates. All the time. Yes. Hey, just uh, I want to pick one module out of the list on your website here. I'm I'm not actually all that intimate with many of the commercial modules that are out there. Um, This is one of the things. Over time, I've always focused on building the core framework, and we haven't really spent much time focused on building the modules. And that's why the the modules which are included with .NET Nuke are fairly limited in their capabilities. I was. I'm just looking at the the list here, man. It's awesome. You got a comics plugin, like a mo- a comics module, where you can like have the Daily Dilbert or something on there. Is that what that's for? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I've actually <laughs> used that one before. That's so cool. I think that uses a web service to pull comics from some comic. Service. There's a webcam, uh, media players, content generator, menu navigation. Uh, CSS tools, skin objects. Man, there's just so much. Weather online, scoreboards. Very cool stuff. There's a ton. If, um, on, the, on the commercially available side, uh, for skins and for, um, for modules, uh, there's a site called Snowcovered, tripdub.snowcovered.com. Yeah, I think you mentioned this the last time. Yep, and there's a, there's a, that, that's kind of like the place for third-party modules for commercially available and, modules and skins, for that matter. And there's just a ton of stuff out there. Wow. Wow. Look at all these skins. Holy cow. I know. And they're slick. These guys have been busy. And I so th- not me. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think it provided a, a good entry point for designers. Because, I mean, content management systems are all the rage now, and traditional web design firms are kind of losing their market unless they adapt to the new landscape. Right. .NET Nuke allows them to leverage their design skills and apply them to portal or CMS technology. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense for a designer to get skilled at skinning .NET Nuke yep. than just doing it on their own. Wow, start I'm just selling. browsing a few and of these. You set up a shop and you start selling skins. Right. One of the and things that um, is one of our goals for the next um, year is to come up with a mechanism for module certification. And this would be, you know, a basic list of criteria for a module to pass, and that will help increase the um, 
quality for third-party modules. That's a great idea. That's not a really a version 4 thing so much as a utility. It can actually happen right away. It's just a matter of finding a resource that can do it, finding the right business model to do it. Because I think that um, that would be a tough one for a volunteer to do because it requires a fair bit of mundane effort. Yeah, it's a, that's always a challenge in the open source stuff is the boring stuff, right? not the cool stuff. Yep. So, Sean, I'll go ahead and volunteer for cool stuff and not boring stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so um, what about version 4? Yeah. Version 4. Actually, we um, version 3.1 is going to be out probably in the next two to three weeks, and it includes web Care, farms. Support. Careful with those dates there, Sean. Yay, trouble. Two to three weeks. All right. And it includes web farm support. So up until this point, .NET New hasn't really... Um, worked well without some customizations in a web farm scenario. Huh. So this is really an enterprise feature, which is going to be included in the core. Wow. Oh, that's big time. That is so very cool. Then I guess there's going to have to be an ASP 2.0 release at some point. Yeah, and at that point we have to determine whether we should be supporting an ASP.NET 1.1 and 2 release for a period of time. Right. It's going to be a tough decision to make. It's actually going to be a tough year for you. A lot of complicated things to do. I don't know, guys. I remember I'm, ASP.NET is the first piece of .NET that gets widely adopted in the previous version, quickly forgotten. Yeah, you know, yeah, ASP true. is like the first thing to be adapted. Frankly, I don't see that as being a big problem. I think you may have to support one one for a, a you know a little ways, but not long. Not long. I don't know if you've been to TakeNote.com. <laughs> one point baby. <laughs> 1.0. Oh, God. I'm taking some more here. All right, Campbell, for you and for you only, I'm going to make sure I get that site updated quickly. And when, <laughs> and when I do, I'll drop you an, e- an email and say, finally, I'm done. Finally. The, the first thing that we're going to focus on is getting .NET Nuke to run on on ASP.NET version 2 out of the box without right. any enhancements of to course. it to take advantage of Whidbey. Because right of now, course. I don't. I think it actually runs on the .NET framework, too, but... When you open it in VS.NET 2005, it has some upgrade problems. Uh, well, those might be VS issues, right? Well, they are, yeah. And actually, yeah. the Microsoft compatibility team is looking at those. So, Yeah, I'm sure you'll be a key player in stuff like that. It's an important chunk of code. Well, it's probably the biggest ASP.NET public domain application that's out there. Yeah, no kidding. Well, guys, we're running out of time, so I want to ask you a final question, each of you. Uh, starting with you, Sean. What is the coolest thing that you've downloaded recently? <laughs> the coolest thing that I've downloaded recently. <laughs> oh, my, my. And I'm not talking about the Sports Illustrated, Illustrated <laughs> Swimsuit website. Oh, never mind. Or any of Duffy's variations on that theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what have I downloaded lately? I guess most of the stuff I've been focused on lately is all .NET Nuke stuff. There is um, a series of free videos for .NET Nuke that I downloaded recently that were really, really good. And um, I've actually offered to post them on the .NET Nuke.com site. So this was a third-party contributor that did a series of, um, of tutorial videos for .NET Nuke, how to build a module, seven parts, um, probably 100 megs worth of files. And I posted them on our site for him because I thought that there was incredible value there. That's cool. One awesome. of the other things I never mentioned in this is that um, 
there's a number of books on .NET Nuke that are now available. So there's one book that's available already, and there's a book that the core team wrote, which is going to be available at the end of this month. Um, it's already listed on Amazon, um, Professional .NET Nuke. And uh, pre-sales seem to be doing quite well, so there seems to be quite a bit of interest. Did you contribute to that book? Yep. I wrote, actually, I wrote the introduction chapter, and an excerpt from that chapter is posted on the .netnuke.com site right now. It actually nice. goes over the entire history of the project, how it started. It actually talks about my first meetings with Scott Guthrie, which are quite interesting because uh, Scott was sort of instrumental in getting this um, project off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scott's coming on the show next week, yeah, too. Yeah, we'll be talking to him next You'll week. You'll have to ask Scott Guthrie about Absolutely. Nuke. Yep. And, um, and it talks about the open source philosophy. So, I mean, it's a rocks book, which is typically so focused on code, but they let us uh, slip in a few, um, you know, history and, I don't know, background information into this book. And I think that um, people are going to appreciate that. Good. So, Duffy, what have you downloaded lately that's that you can mention on the show? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hold on, let me let me flip 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 wrong page wrong page wrong. Got to go back a long way now. <laughs> Actually, what what I ha- what I haven't downloaded it yet, but um, while I was at the uh, the Charlotte Code Camp, um, I had someone had kind of reacquainted me with a, a product that I was going to look at, and I haven't downloaded it yet. Code called called Code Rush. Oh yeah. Um, and it's, it's a Visual Studio editor enhancement. I'm like, oh, dude, i got to download this. And I've got a link in my inbox to download it and start to play with it. And that's kind of like next on my, what am I going to download next list? Um, so that's, that's my next big Those guys won the People's Choice Award on the ASP.NET Pro Reader's Choice Awards for, I think, Visual Studio add-in. Did it? Code Rush, yeah. We, uh, we use Code Rush extensively here, and I use it in my classes when I'm speaking, and that's the first question I always an- you know, answer for people. They go, what is that? Because it looks like I'm playing a video game while I'm writing code, you know? Uh-huh. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, that's the product that sells itself. All you got to do is show it to somebody, and they go, I have to have that. Exactly. That's- you know, that, that's written by Mark Miller, who is, uh, who's been on the show a couple times. He's, he's hilarious, by the way, and brilliant. Yeah, he's definitely the manifestation of the line between insanity and genius. Definitely. Well, you guys got any last-minute words of wisdom to impart on our audience before we take a bow? Uh, beauty is skin deep, but, <laughs> but ugly goes clear down to the bone. Ah, That's nice, Jim. Yeah. Very nice. I haven't heard that one in at least 20 years. I know, but hey, it's a words of wisdom. It's not, it's not wisdom if it's not old. <laughs> All right. Come on. I just want to thank you guys for inviting us onto the show again. I think the last time we were on the show, it generated a lot of great publicity for .NET Nuke, and uh, I, I just appreciate uh, you taking the time out of your days to have us on. You bet. It's my pleasure. Great product. Yeah. And come back again for 4.0. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll be here. Well, listen, this is Carl Franklin in New London, Connecticut, Richard Campbell out in Vancouver, British Columbia, Jeff Maciolik in the sound room, and thanks to everybody who is in the chat room helping out. Thanks, Jim Duffy and Sean Walker and .NET Nuke Rocks. We'll see you next week. Bye.